All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Flail Forward. Uh, this is... Um... <laughs> Did you just forget your name? <laughs> <laughs> this is Oh, my God. Do Rob? not this. <laughs> no, I was something caught my attention. Yeah, that was a bad time for, to look at a... Look at the thing. Um, <laughs> this is Rob with Flail Forward, and uh, I've got with me here tonight uh, Catrice. Hi. There we go. Cavoir. Hello. Hello. Mark is here. Hello, Mark. Oh. Hi. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about um, initiative today. Do you need it? What is it? How 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 many initiatives do you need? Do you, do you want to? You need at least three initiatives. You need okay, three initiatives. Catrice is three. I'm I'm at three. Do we need four initiatives? No, that's that too much. Okay. It starts getting better. Five is right out. Yeah. Yeah. Five uh, is only necessary if you need to do heart, mind, body, soul, environment, and oh god, what was the last one? It's not worth the dumb reference. Never mind. <laughs> Just as Body, that's the one. We're starting the new year in perfect form. Good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Dumpster is already on fire. Oh, whoosh. So, um, so this started with you were just, you wanted to bring up initiative in general, right, Catrice? Uh, kind of. I was looking at our various topic list ideas, and technically it's your topic. Is it? <laughs> yes. Oh, it was okay. like over a year ago, so oh man, yeah, it's okay. been a while. So, but yeah, it, was, it, it was it looked interesting to talk about. Like the things I was thinking of off the top of my head is basically like why does initiative end up being used, and why is it so commonly maintained, and things like should you roll for it? Because I honestly think there's no benefit at all for rolling for initiative and are there even situations where you don't need initiative at all and i'm pretty sure Kavar is on that for the most part yeah i'll do this little speech uh okay so um initiative most of the time initiative systems are not necessary uh if they're a placeholder from uh with t they're basically sorry i I lost my train of thought. Okay, so if you're doing a certain type of tactical combat, then having an or a distinguished order that things happen in, good. Yes, especially if it's predictable, which is why rolling for it is terrible, because if it's not sensible, it's missing part of the point. And also, if you have to spend time, like, spending time to determine what order people uh, do things in is the most anti-kinetic thing I know of in RPGs. Like, like, or at least that is not specific to one weird game, the D100 system game that I only have vague recollections about, so, you know. Uh, there is one initiative system where, uh, that I enjoyed that, that wasn't, like, number-based, and it was basically... The players, the the players as a collective, although it is something that wastes time. The players as a collective decide who goes first, and whoever goes gets to decide who goes next. At some point, you have to give all the enemies the, their turns, and it is a system where giving the enemy four turns in a row is extremely bad. Hmm. 
And so, like, the players have to give the tur their turn over to the GM at some point. And the GM gets to decide who goes after them, because they, it acts like anyone else. The GM probably gets multiple turns per round, but not that many, because it's a game that is very focused on bo boss fights, so it's like, usually the GM so only gets uh, Magical Burst. <laughs> anyway! <laughs> magical Burst, okay. Yeah, uh, it's a game I've mentioned before, because I hate it and love it at the same time. Yeah, that sounded... That sounded awful familiar. Um, does the GM get to pick the next person to go after them again, or is it only yeah, the players? They, they get to turn, pick the next person that goes after them. They, they're discouraged from picking themselves when, if, where it's valid. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's about it. It's not like there's any hard and fast rule that says they can't. It's just generally bad manners. So, okay. It could it would be kind of there's nothing in force that stops you from like no matter when you give the enemies <laughs> yeah. their turn they can just take all the turns in a row and screw you up i think there might be a rule that specifically says that a boss monster with two turns can't take both their turns in a row oh okay but i'm not 100% sure if that's actually in the text or if that's just there it would be a terrible thing to do. <laughs> I mean, obviously, sometimes you'll have to do it if the player, if the players give you all your turns at the end of the round, and like you only have so many places you can pass it. Mm -hmm. But that's hmm. oh, that's generally a bad idea. I, uh, I think that's a thing. I was looking up initiative systems um, a long time ago when I was trying to design one for Praxis, and I think it was called Popcorn Initiative. Marvel um, Heroic does something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is just to nominate each other. And there are a few other games that still use that system, which which I think makes sense. Just like you kind of plan and decide amongst each other. So it allows you a nice flexibility of strategy where you can still yeah. say, okay, we want to combo together. So let's chain our moves to be productive. Um, because in, I guess, the classic D&D &D way, you still have a lot of things where it's like, oh, I want to wait for this person's turn or this trigger to occur, so I'm going to delay my initiative or delay my action until later on. Um, and this kind of circumvents all of that, where you can do that move when it's appropriate, when it feels thematically fun and cool. So I think mm -hmm. that it's a, it's a nice way of getting around um, some of the issues that I think the existing structure has in D&D. Yeah. Are we talking about D&D as the, kind of the default initiative? Well, so. everybody else copies their homework, so... Jesus, everybody talks So This is one time where I'm not mad about people call you out D&D, &D because basically a lot of initiative systems that don't have multi, like, basic initiatives where a single player gets basically copied D&D's homework, let's, let's just say it that way. They're just like, oh, this is how D&D &D does it, so let's do it. Uh, mm -hmm. GURPS doesn't do that. GURPS Gur is a weird... GURPS is an outsider in that way. Yeah, I can't remember what GURPS was off the top of my head. It's uh, move score, which is, as I recall, either dexterity, the average of dexterity and health divided by two, or something like that. Anyway, and then... no, no, it It's a static number, though. It, which it's it, a static yeah. number, yeah, but it has a point... It, it goes in quarter points, or at least it used to. I don't know if it still does in fourth can't remember but anyway in third that's the most the one i'm definitely more familiar with it was yeah just a static number and your move score um 
was rounded was the number of spaces you could move in, in a second. And, uh, but the, the, the 0.25, uh, variability mm -hmm. between, you know, people's averages actually was significant. So, um, yeah, I guess it was, it was, a, it was a static number, but, uh, yes, static number, uh, Catrice and I have both said it's a good thing. Do we want to get into why? I, I, I think I already first, said actually. First off, first off, I think it would also be a good idea to fully finish like why initiative is even a good idea in the first place. Like I agree with before for the most part that like you don't necessarily need it and you it is kind of important if you're gonna do tactical games that a that you know when it'll happen and in which order, but B I think the biggest reason for why people just don't question initiative as a concept is it was like it was a moment ago where we were all talking over each other. We have to break it up into people taking turns to talk normally anyway. So if you're going to already be naturally breaking things into an order of when stuff is going to happen regardless, like... Mm -hmm. Each player is going to be taking a separate turn no matter what you do, because it's just a convoluted mess if you don't. You may as well quantify it just so that, you know, it's easy to keep track of what's going on. Yeah, that's a very strong argument in favor of having some sort of, uh, uh, some sort of mechanistic way to determine who goes when. Yeah, it also helps to make sure that you don't miss anyone argument against that obviously is uh the usually initiative systems are drop in and drop out and like you don't need it for the rest of the time so <laughs> you know mm -hmm. yeah. yeah there's the, the so the, the initiative systems we've talked of just to recap real quick we have the roll uh roll and add a number and then everybody compares their numbers and whoever has the highest or lowest number depending on the system goes first yeah so that's the randomized um, you know, yeah, and that could be swingier depending on system. Horrible idea. Like the whole role I'm, for I'm initiative sorry. idea just doesn't make sense. Anyway, sorry, we'll cover that later. So we have the we have the role for initiative, we have the static initiative, uh, and then we have things that are somewhere in between that, where there's perhaps a degree of randomness or chaos. And, uh, that uh, is not what we described at all. Or chosen yeah like chosen like, is not, very different there. than chaos like it's anti-chaos yeah I, but there's some degree of even if you're choosing when to go in the initiative the the enemy you can't necessarily predict when the enemies are going to go or yeah. there, there's well, some degree of, of 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 uh there's some degree of um lack of agency in the play if the players can't can't predict exactly who's going to go when. Like in GURPS, right, with a static thing, it's entirely predictable. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and 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 the players can predict exactly who's going to go when and sort of base tactical decisions around that. In D&D, &D, uh, the, well, I, I believe in most games it's supposed to be you roll once at the beginning of combat and that's your initiative for the rest of combat. Um, but I have played in rolling games... Rolling initiative every round is insane. <laughs> I have played in games where that, that happens. Yeah, uh, I've done that. I really hated it. Almost every game has been roll once at the start. Yeah. But 
that's be I think it I'm not entirely sure that may actually just be a house rule. As there's a lot of things that seem standardized in D D that are not. I, which I is believe, really weird. Yeah, I believe I believe in fifth edition it is roll for once at the beginning of combat to set your initiative for the rest of combat. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Well, we're on overview mode. Uh, we might as well talk about things like feng shui and, dear God, I don't even want to say the, the curse name, but uh, initiative systems that where it's basically where initiative where things have initiative costs and everybody and a rep and a turn is an extended thing where multi, where each person takes multiple actions, and when you take it in like when you do an action, you move down that much in your initiative ranking. <laughs> Those not sense things mm. yeah i've seen oh those. exalted is another one that does that <laughs> i think some of the world of darkness one uh, some of the standard world of darkness does it too oh god i i should know that off the top of my head right? <laughs> should I, uh... I don't i think have... world of darkness has an action point type thing i don't See, think I would so. have liked to have been able to use like final fantasy tactics uh initiative system but it doesn't actually work in a tabletop game. Like, there are people, I'm sure there are people who have tried. Yeah, but if you have to write that all out, it is an absolute convoluted mess. But it's really easy if you have a computer to keep track of it for you. Exactly. I think I've seen it done. It's just not done well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it can be done well with a, with a tabletop if you have to actually write it out. Uh, if I were, this could be me remembering things wrong, but I'm reasonably sure how exalted work it says you get people is the only way to kill people is to get them to zero initiative, which says a lot about how the game works. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, I mean, you know, third edition DD is very much rocket tag as well, past seventh level. I mean, no, I mean, like, okay, so basically, oh, and, as a stat. At the start of, oh. like, you have a, a certain amount of that, and in order to wound someone, you need to deplete, you need to first attack through what is effectively their points per round, and get mm -hmm. that to zero before you can do damage to them. Huh. I, I remember correctly, I that could be me making things up about Exalted, because it's been a real long time. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And well, like, that brings up something as well as the idea of like initiative doing things. Because in a lot of games, like especially those that are based on the D&D setup, your initiative is just there to determine turn order. And that's it. That's all it does. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the idea of like having to damage initiative means that it actually does something. You can probably restore it or do other things with it, maybe? Well, it, sure. it's like multiple times. It's a, a feng shui style system, so like, actions have an initiative cost, and wouldn't you get back to your initiative, it's your turn again? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think sort of the other thing that is useful in considering initiative is that it controls attention in a way like it it is a measure of how much engagement you need to have at a certain point mm -hmm. um where i find that systems that you are very flexible in choosing when players act 
Um, I find that players are much more engaged throughout the entire period. Like they have to be aware of everything that's happening because they don't know when they're going to be up next. Whereas in structured systems, you can have players fade out for a little bit and then fade back in. Um, yeah, I, I so that too. Yeah, and I think there's there are strengths and weaknesses to that because I, I think everyone has those experiences of the long D and D fight where two players yeah. start losing interest and go on their phones, and then they're like, "Oh, is it my turn now?" Um, yeah which might not be the best thing, but there are also good opportunities that if players want to step away from the table, like they have that option. Yeah. If you have yeah. to go to the washroom, just do it when it's not your turn. Yeah. Although I think, I think it's generally speaking, it, you know, combat should be the kind of thing where that's the point where you want everybody to table maximally engaged with what's going on for the next couple of minutes, but it shouldn't be the kind of thing that takes, you know, two hours to resolve. Like that's, that's a problem with a different part. I don't think that's an initiative problem or right. an attention problem. I think that's a, yeah. your combat system is too complicated to resolve in a reasonable amount of time problem. Well, it depends um, on also how <clears throat> big you want combat to be. Like if you want combat to be some, a large part of the game, that may not be a problem. Like if you're doing tactical combat in a the game, then that's kind of part of the fun of the game that's like yeah but you still don't want one combat that drags out i mean i generally speaking right for most people yeah. like a combat that goes over an hour is a significant pain point that i've yeah, seen I can, complaints yeah, about I can... over and over again so i don't mean like that. multiple hours but i mean like there is a huge difference between combat being resolved in five minutes and an hour yeah or a half hour but 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 i'm all take two hours to be generically too long. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it, what you don't, what the problem there is that the just combat just takes too long. Not that, not that there's a, a, a bad initiative system scattering attention around the table. I, although it, the, and part of that problem of combat taking too long is individual player turns taking too long, which is, you know, the break out the spell book, read out how the spell is supposed to work, you know, adjudicate any confusing effects um and and all of that stuff just drags the game out because it, it but it's a separate it's a separate problem from initiative i i think dnd's initiative is you know reasonable if the the rest of dnd's combat wasn't so um intricate because it I'm wouldn't sure intricate the correct not. word but it really isn't like in terms of execution, not in terms of tactical. I mean, I mean, well, yeah, I mean like that's... all the stuff you have to do and track. Yeah, the issue is that every little thing that you have to do is multiplied by every character at the table. So, if you have to roll for attack, then there's a little bit of time to roll the dice and to see what it is and add any modifiers and stuff in it, but. Mm -hmm. Okay, that only takes like, okay, five seconds, not a big deal. But it's five seconds per character per turn. Let's say you have five people in your party, and then they're fighting five enemies. Okay, just rolling to attack. You've now just filled up like almost a minute just from that alone. Sure. Per turn. So sure. that's... if. If combat takes like four turns, you've wasted four minutes just rolling to see if you hit. Well, you've, I wouldn't say they're wasted. I think they're spent. 
but well yeah but i'm i mean it in the sense that it stacks up really quickly a five second action became four minutes right really and when fast. you have spells and when you have spells that take five minutes to adjudicate going off multiple times of combat like that's yes you're making my point for me yeah i agree yeah yeah, like, <laughs> if you have any mechanic that takes longer than a couple of seconds to 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 mess with, then yeah, anytime it, it, there's going to be multiple instances of it in the combat, particularly spells or high level think, effects. It's I think especially spells, though, especially spells that are more open ended, like utility spells. Those are usually some of the most fun parts of a game. So I think those are worth investing a bit of extra time and effort into because those are the open-ended parts of a game that's not just mechanical like a computer can handle it but it's like okay you can do something that you can specify what you want to do and that gives you a lot of control as a player a lot of uh stuff you can do with the narrative i think those are kind of the the biggest most important parts that you do want to preserve even if it takes time well i'm not arguing against that no i'm just saying that it is like i don't want people listening to this to get like the wrong idea and say oh well spells are really complicated so we'll just make spells do just raw damage nothing else and it's like well that's kind of boring then that, that would have been a weird takeaway from what i said but okay yeah I could see somebody doing it though. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember what my point was at this point. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anybody remember what I, where I was going with it? Nope. <laughs> cool. I don't think I ever knew where you were going. <laughs> on, on a related note, though, uh, the idea I think behind potentially having this like very structured system of time um, is ideally you're like planning what you're going to be doing during your slot of time. So as much as like combat can be a slog in those situations, hopefully, I don't know, there's a, a good design out there for, uh, I know my turn is coming up, therefore I can plan for it. So like, what am I going to do? And how do I like anticipate this, possible time of like delay of game and just yeah know exactly how i want to approach the situation i don't think all players do that but that's what your downtime is for between turns yeah you would hope I actually so but... it into my game hmm. especially for spells because you can build a spell by default it's like you can have a pre made spell in my game or you can build a spell on the spot for custom tailoring it to a specific situation so it says explicitly in the book that don't try to do this on a regular basis um only use it when necessary and you do get benefits for using a pre-made spell but if you are going to build a spell on the spot um try to do it during your off turn like when other people are doing stuff so that it's ready to go when it's your turn it saves it just saves a bunch of time and trouble for everybody mm, well <clears throat> i don't so well i mean so part of the part of the problem with with the 
uh, trying to decide what you're doing on other players' turns is that the board state changes at the end of every player's it turn. Does. So, I said so, try. I didn't say you have to, but if possible, try to use some of that. So, if the if the board state changes between there, there's there's a strong disincentive for players to actually plan turn mm -hmm. to turn. Yeah, That's in off point. turns, um, and so. <laughs> And so even if you have, even if you have um, things you can be doing in the off turn, perhaps it, it, it's possible that in a certain number of, of given combats that, that you're going to be preempted by another player's actions. And uh, that can only happen so many times before a player just stops trying to, to plan. So if if the game repeatedly teaches players that there's there it's not worth it to spend the time in the off turn planning because the board state can change so radically from turn to turn, then it there's a strong disincentive to um to to plan the off turn and it can it can extend extend it can exacerbate the problem of um of of downtime. Well, I can also see that players, from what I've experienced for the most part, tend to find, like, an efficient range, because it's not like it's a static equal amount of change from immediately before your turn to immediately after your turn of how much change is going to take place. As it approaches closer to your turn, there's less change that's going to be happening on average. That's because not necessarily true. I, I said not necessarily. I said on average. Okay. Like, yeah, something could drastically happen, but as there are fewer uh, characters that have to go before your turn, there's fewer major events that potentially can happen. Now, it could be that you were planning to do something to an enemy monster or something, and, oh, they're dead just before your turn it's like oh well i have to change my now my turn now i wasn't expecting that but i mean as you get fewer and fewer characters before your turn the chances of major game changes happening on the board decreases gradually it it doesn't go to zero but it does decrease i don't think that's the case at all i don't think it decreases i th i think the number of things that can happen decrease but i don't think i don't think the significance of those changes decreases as it as like you can have a turn that's so bad like you know uh, uh, the the you know it's it's totally possible for uh, uh for in any almost any game i can think of for a a bad guy to do something so severe that it takes out half the party in a single action and then then it gets to your turn and you're like oh shit i have to either get these guys up or or beat this guy like right now that it, i'm saying in i and i can't think of a game in which that's in which that can't happen. Like I'm, th I, generally there's grenades, fireballs, AE stuff. My, you know. I'm just, my, I'm just saying the significance of things. Like it, it, this is what I'm, this is kind of what I'm getting at. That, is that if if a game teaches players that that the boards they can change so radically between their turns, there's not enough incentive for them to consistently want to plan. It's better to just react to the current board state in terms of you know brain power yeah i guess just embrace the fact that it's going to be a slog or like there's going to be a planning slot not necessarily that it's a slog but that it's like if the board state is changing that dramatically in your game and you have to design a system so that people can react to it um 
you just need to have tools or like a streamlined way of helping players make decisions because that won't yeah. be yeah. yeah i think that's actually indicative of a larger problem which is what you're describing is in most games enemies are so squishy and so are the players in a lot of cases that they can go from completely healthy to nearly dead in like one turn or sometimes completely dead in one turn and it's like at that point that kind of turns every combat into well kill the enemy because that's the ideal choice in every situation if you can kill something that quick then there's no reason not to kill something it's like why would you ever slow an enemy why would you try to do anything other than kill it because the quickest and most efficient method in every situation is kill it and i actually don't like that style of gameplay like yeah. it basically removes all tactical planning entirely it removes all the interesting fun things you can do because the ideal solution is always drop a nuke Okay, I'm, I'm not advocating for that. No, I'm just saying that if your game board changes that dramatically on that quick of a basis, then it kind of means that, well, everything's happening kind of too fast. No, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't specify anything about when in the combat that thing can happen. I'm just saying on a given player's turn that the, the, the board state can go from not well you're you're making the assumption i'm saying from you know zero to 60 or from full to zero in in a, no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying well, on what's your given, example? well my example okay for for example uh a the players have been hurt uh the cleric is going to cast a spell that is going to affect the bad guy but the bad guy drops a fireball and and two players you know the dice goes such that three or four player characters drop from that fireball the cleric now has changed his action if it's in your game where you have to build a spell on the fly now he would want to build a different spell on the fly to heal the characters who are down rather oh. than potentially take out the bad guy who's up if he can't if he doesn't think he can do it in one action well in that case fortunately it's not that big an issue because in that case they would have probably healing as a prepared spell that was already set up like you'd only tend to build a spell on the spot if there was something very specific you I'm just to I'm just to using, I'm just using your game as an as, as an example yeah. of shifting gears no that's fine uh, at all it's just yeah. if you're going to shift a gear then there's uh built-in ways to shift gears very quickly when you need to like if you're going to need to heal people on a regular basis you've probably already got a spell that's pre-built specifically for doing exactly that hmm. i feel like i'm not getting my point across uh i i, I oh, mean yeah. you would have to make a tactical decision that would be changing Different. yeah the thing yes that's what i'm saying okay so so but that doesn't happen at the start of the fight that could happen near the end it's not it's not i'm not saying that that this is due to enemies being squishy or, or a symptom of that. I'm saying that there that, that board state changes can happen radically in 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 D and D. The the issue with D and D is having the intricate combat where it's it's 
um, it's almost completely unpredictable where the dice can do things and the outcomes are so random that that's part of the fun that you don't know if the, you know, the, the fireball, the enemy drops is going to roll a bunch of sixes or if it's going to be three ones and nobody cares or whatever. Um, yeah. I, oh, if, I... so, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying about the board state being unpredictable because it's, it's, it's the randomness is a heavy element in D and D's gameplay. Yeah. It's just like, I don't like that aspect of it. Like I designed mine to be the opposite of that. So like a boss will at the end of the full turn order, like the only time you'd have like a really huge effect that would have such a radical change in the game. Uh, basically would be each boss has an ability that triggers at the end of their turn. So you know that if you actually have a character that is able to study what the boss is going to do, for example, then you can actually check that boss and see, oh, they're going to breathe a big fire blast in a cone in front of them. So everybody can know in advance this is going to happen and get out of the way so it's actually quite predictive rather than random like that i know i'm, I have not, a, a I'm not sure if you're trying to refute my point or you're just describing no. the game oh it's partially describing my game but it's partially just my preference in combat is to try to build it so that it is predictable rather than everything changing dramatically in the last moment okay okay so i might as well say something because it's better bit but catrice is like you said you told catrice that basically the idea that players should prepare spells during other people's turns doesn't work and she's trying to explain why she doesn't think that's the case in her game I yeah, see. I'm just saying, like, in a lot of games, yeah, that may be the case. But, like, the way I've set it up, you can. Because it's built to be able to do that, because I've taken other things into account for it. But I don't think it would work in every game. But in some Okay, well, I'm, well yeah, I, I mean, I'm speaking in general terms here, so I'm not, I'm, yeah. I mean, if you take it into account, sure, it'll work. If you don't, then it might not. I think that you are, I, I will totally concede that, yes, in a lot of cases, there are definitely a lot of, a lot of games where the board changes very dramatically, very quickly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so it becomes, so off-turn planning becomes not a, uh, not a viable excuse for having a lot of downtime. Yeah, I I just think that it's something that, since we're talking about game design, it's something that you should actually be thinking about as a designer. Like, if you have this downtime in between your turns, you might actually want to design your game in such a way that you can actually take use of uh, what that time to use. Uh... And if you if you know, like, if you can anticipate this, instead of saying that this is a problem you're looking at saying like is this a useful solution to something else that i can yeah. then incorporate i feel like i feel like you're kind of onto something that there's some design space there but it was like it's it's hard to make it 
like you said, like you're, you're designing like a thing that could be done in the off turn, but I mean, what, what's your experience been with, has anybody done like, um, like in any of the play tests you've run, has anybody done like the spell casting stuff to the point, have you gotten the spell casting to the point where you can actually test it, which would be one question. And then the other is like, do people generally build, is it, can you use it fast enough that they do it on their turns or is it generally something you've found that they do on their off turns? That's something they can do on their turns. Like um, the first, the first test that I did where somebody actually cast a spell, it took about 15 minutes to cast the spell because they hadn't actually read how to cast spells yet. Yeah, that, that is, so that is standard to... among players. That, is, that should be so part I, of the design. Yeah, I had to give like a crash course on how magic worked. But mm -hmm. once they, they got it, like the next turn, they were able to create their spell in like 30 seconds. Okay. So they threw it together like really quick. Like they didn't do it off their turn. They did it on their turn and it was actually really fast. Okay. Um, they so, could have so done it off their turn though, if they wanted. Right. But what, what I'm, I guess what I'm getting that is at is that yours is fast enough to do on the turn. So it, it behooves players, even in, even in your case to, to once they know how to, use the spellcasting system obviously to to wait until their turn comes up to get the optimal like could be like it it's probably gonna slow down later on but like as you get more options it'll get more clunky because just because you'll have more choices to make but on the other hand you'll also have a larger list of pre-made spells that you have access to and it's you do get a benefit for using a pre-made spell instead of one that's um, made on the spot. Right. So it's just more efficient in the game to use something that you already... Like if you right. make a fireball spell and you use this fireball spell on a regular basis, it's like, I already know how to do this. I just pick it and go. And it's like, so you don't have to think as much about it for sure. your character. So it's quicker okay. for them to cast it. So Makes sense. Yeah, so it, it, it makes sense in the game's logic for you to get a benefit to try to actually not build every spell individually for each situation. But if you need it, like there's this really weird situation, you have all the component parts to, to make exactly the custom built spell for this exact situation, then you can totally do so. So it's an available option. Okay. Go so back to initiative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, so there's the, so, so where were we even, what was the last initiative thing we talked about? I don't uh, know. It, so we had the initiative sort of breakdown. What, what things you roll, roll and see, right? Static. There's mm -hmm. the popcorn initiative that Mark mentioned. That's the, uh, the person who went chooses the next person to act. Is that generally the that's? Yep, I think that's the gist of it. Okay. Um, other initiative systems I've seen, I've seen team initiative where there's uh. So I remember in Warhammer Fantasy Third Edition there was, and I think it's the same thing in the Fantasy Flight Star Wars, uh, system where you have uh both sides roll, and uh, 
the successes on the roll go at certain points on the initiative, but the who who that actually is is not determined. So you just get spots, right. and uh, anybody can go in those spots. So it makes it a little more. Uh, I guess the intent is to make it a little more tactically fluid, so that if somebody, mm -hmm. you know, anybody can give up their initiative for anybody else. If if that was an option in D and D, I think it would be functionally identical. Um, and uh, that seems to that seems to be interesting because it allows a little bit more flexibility, um, and also there's in third in Warhammer Third Edition. I don't think this was the case in in the Fantasy Flight Star Wars, but there's things you can do to that are like powerful actions that kick your like would would remove um, sorry move down a team initiative point from like say three to four. So that you would lose that action for the rest of, or lose that action at that time for the rest of combat. So there were certain powerful actions that could um, reduce, like reduce initiative for the entire group. Uh, I, I thought that was a kind of interesting thing to play with, although it didn't really do much with it. Um, and then there's the sort of the the Marvel version of that, which was the, I think it was Cortex. The Cortex Marvel one, where they yeah. had the Doom dice, mm -hmm. yeah, where it's like you can shoot. I'm going to get this wrong. I I believe the way it goes is it's popcorn initiative, but passing it back to the GM lowers their 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 Doom dice or something to that effect, where you can sort of manage the amount of threat you they build in a in a scene by passing them initiative back. Um, but I believe the way it goes, once the GM goes, then a player goes again, but a player can pass it off to another player to like set up those combo type things. I think that's the way it goes. That makes sense. So if the players take a bunch of turns in a row, basically the enemies get stronger. But if you give the enemies a bunch of turns, then their turn they get more turns, but they're weaker. He kind of the doom dice are kind of like the gm's like hero points a little bit so it's like mm -hmm. they can modify like either they can spend them to have a villain do something particularly effective or they can like add them into roles or they can be spent to create environmental effects so yeah if a bunch of heroes go in in a row then you know the gm could spend doom to uh you know separate two of them or something like that like yeah. drop a portcullis or you know force field or what what have you i um, always want to encourage environmental effects i think it's something that is not used in game design nearly enough yeah it's hard to adjudicate though right because it's like you, you you either have to mechanize it with a certain like here's what the gm's allowed to do or give it a like you know treat it like a monster that can uh, mm -hmm. only attack or be avoided or something like that it's yeah it's not like fate kind of does it in a weird way where it's like environmental effects are just kind of a character that you can interact with um so that that makes it easier uh so odd yeah but anyway to get back to initiative um one thing i'd like to point out is what does initiative represent within the characters like from the character's perspective in the narrative aspect mm. what does it represent in most cases i think it usually covers sort of the 
um, your opportunity or your time, um, generally for thinking, acting, um, or space of uh, being able to create. It's sort of like your, um, what's the word I'm thinking for? Your agency within the world. It's your time for agency within the world. I yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I I think Catrice more asking about like what it, it represents like to the character like what like I for most in most games <laughs> oh, oh it represents like their yeah their direct amount of agency um I don't know I took the question to mean like what what is it trying to model um and not agency so much which I mean most of the time I feel like it models like raw reflexes because in most games it seems to be it seems to be like what agility does uh and so i think that traps a lot of designers into the thinking of initiative as reflex rather than um and i've seen initiative systems where that's not the case where where it represents quick thinking or it represents uh it's represented by their perception stat or um it, i mean you're i i agree with you in that it is their agency it is their finite amount of here's what you get to do Exactly. Uh, but oh, but I think it's it's like also that. represented well in the game world. It it is representing something, right? I mean, it's some. It's what are the players? Not the players. No, what are the characters like pointing to when they say say somebody often goes first in combat? Like, is that person quick? Is that person quick witted? Is that person observant? There's two things I'd like to point out there. Mm -hmm. First off, um, unlike what Mark was saying, is you can view it sort of like this is um an opening in the combat where you're kind of going back and forth and back and forth and this is when you seem to have gotten an opening that you can actually do something and make a bigger difference than just you know parrying blows back and forth right mm -hmm. that would be one way yeah the other way is kind of similar to where rob was going how I've actually ended up viewing it in my game is it's not that it's it's not quite what you were describing it's more of situational awareness because hmm. it's it's not just that you're going to be how did you put it uh with agency um, not agency, like being like reflexes and such. Yeah, like it's, it's not just or, or perception observance. Yeah, it's not yeah. just that. It's also like your reflexes aren't just your physical response time. It's also your time to be able to make a decision of what to do in a situation. Right. It's your awareness of what's going on around you. Mm. Like, do you even notice somebody sneaking up behind you? If right. you don't notice them because you've got tunnel vision on the person you're fighting, then you're not going to react to them. Right. But so, I, what I was referring to, it was the fact that D&D that &D and most games that are uh, based on it, whether they know it or not, are usually use dexterity or agility or something that's just the raw physical um, speed of a character is what... Yeah, I know that's how... That's how it yeah. usually is. But I'm saying that you can do more with this once you think of it in this way, because 
like once I started realizing like what initiative would be like, like if you start thinking of it, like this is your focus, like your tunnel vision or your situational awareness, then you can start using it as a resource or it's like, okay, I can spend some of my initiative so that I don't have as good of a grasp of what's going on around me anymore, but I'm more focused on this one character. So because I've tunnel visioned in on it, so I can spend my initiative as a resource in order to actually get like a better chance to hit, for example. Sure. Why wouldn't you call it just focus in that case then? It still works as initiative for turn, turn order and such as well. And people know what it is. Right, right, right. Well. But the other thing that I use it for is your initiative because it's basically your situational awareness. So at the end of a turn, if you have not spent all of your action points, it gets converted into initiative. Basically, you take a few seconds, glance around the battlefield, keep track of what going on around you if you have somebody who's trying to use stealth and sneak around mm -hmm. you use your initiative instead of your perception to to notice them so if somebody's sneaking around but you're tunnel visioned in on your fight because you've been spending all of your initiative to try to land your blows more effectively you're just not paying attention to the person sneaking up behind you. Yeah. Okay. That's that's an interesting way of of making uh, mechanizing initiatives so that it does more than just put your spot on the turn mm -hmm. order. You know. Yeah. I mean, I like. I mean, so so for for Ashes, my initiative is is fairly simple. It's you, you pick one of three turns. To act on um and they're in they're in a static order and you get to know when the enemies go before you get to choose when you want to go um so it's entirely a tactical decision and and pretty deterministic and, so and but like, it is, yeah. if they're going if you're going to have a healer character then you kind of want to go after they've done the damage oh yeah yeah except that's so i mean and part of the thing is, is that those those uh, those turns are representative of how fast it actually takes to execute the action. So spells will generally always go last. Um, oh, okay. And so so part of it is is part part of the balance of of the, the internal balance of the game is that the more powerful actions tend to go off later. Uh, and if you're executing a powerful action earlier in a turn, then you. It, you've probably done something to make that happen or it's uh, something special your character gets. Um, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, but it, it eliminates the... I mean, there's no role for it, right? So you're just picking what action. The action comes at a predetermined phase in the initiative. And so... Yeah, fast, yeah. standard, or slow action. And yeah, see, that's quick and easy way to do it too. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a really elegant way of just saying, okay, you have a certain opportunity. Like, you're not losing... Like, I, I guess... I'm comparing it to no initiative system. You're not uh, not going to have an opportunity to act. You're always going to have a slot. It's just where in this structure you want to go. And then within a smaller, more easily digestible um, pile of actions, that's when you get to determine um, 
how you're acting, like how each agent in the game is acting. Um, yeah. Which is good for your kind of game, I think, because if a system can handle, like, I don't know, let's say I have five agents in my game and I have no initiative system, I think that's still a manageable amount of agents. But once mm-hmm. you consider not only like group uh, tactics, but also like you're weighing the enemies with the actual players and all of their grouped identities, that becomes yeah. a lot to manage without a nice structure. And you've kind of, yeah. Said, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you you, you have to deal with it that way. Yeah. And There's really... no choice. Like once you've got like 50 people on one side and what, like 12, 16 on the other side. Right. Like, yeah. but, but within each chunk, it's still resolved as like a, they all just happen at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They all, they, they, they're basically when you pick your action, you're outlining your plan. And then yeah. when the plan's executed is when, so, and they, they, they take place as exchanges. So, um, okay. Yeah, damage coming in. So if you're both, if you're 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 clashing with a with an enemy enemy in melee combat, um, and you both decide to inflict wounds on each other, then uh, you're going to exchange damage. Probably. Yeah. Cool. I like that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. It's simple but effective. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and allows. Yeah, for a modicum of choice among a couple of simple choices, but not, not yeah, just avoiding the the analysis paralysis. It, 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 in the playtests I've run, it's it players are it seems easy to use uh, because nobody's confused by it. I agree. Like, I think it makes yeah, sense. It, um, yeah, I, I wonder if like so. I again. My my point of comparison is the game that I've mm-hmm. been playing for with myself. Yeah. Um, which is that I've decided to limit the number of players, and players mm-hmm. are the ones that drive the action. So the mm-hmm. NPCs in the game don't necessarily contribute to generating new actions like a player would. Um, mm-hmm. They're reactionary, and so the players are the one that push the action forward. But I limit the number of players at the table, and I say that like five is sort of what I'd consider the cap to the number of people could play mm-hmm. this game in a reasonable way um, right and i think that kind of probably fits in a similar way to yours that like um within a single time slot if every single agent at your table was performing something at the same time slot it would be a mess like you have i don't know five npcs mm-hmm. five players with each of them having different characters all trying to do like the quick action um, you're still going to have like some issue, I think, but because yeah. you have these different options and different opportunities that make it incentivizing for people to act at different times, you're going to get a good spread. Um, so I think this is a really nice system for exactly what you want to do, and it adds a tactical element to it that I really like. Yeah. I do have one question. Like, would you, like, you've got it in three. Like mm-hmm. normally you can give choices within a range of three to five at most. If you considered increasing it to a more discrete set of chunks of five instead of three options, do you think that would actually overwhelm your players or actually make it a little bit easier because there would be fewer things happening in each individual chunk? Uh, Well, I mean, it's sort of... 
each chunk has two core actions within it. So it's really six things. Um, but each of those, each of those two actions takes place on one of those phases. I, I mean, I, it was originally four, um, and it, it was simpler to do it like this because it wasn't obvious where some of the distinctions were between some of the actions. And so this makes it really clear, like, oh, you know, grace is going to be quick and probably subtle. Uh, you know, acting forcefully is going to be noticeable and but take a little longer. And then acting, you know, mindfully is going to take the longest, but probably have the best results. It's okay. yeah, it, it, it breaks down in a, in a very explainable way, which is, I think, the main strength of it like it's 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 pretty the players haven't had a like problem like understanding that those three naturally one is quicker than the other you know so that, no, that, that seemed to work a yeah lot of sense. um that's answered my question yeah i mean the the no initiative thing is interesting because that's how like that was something that really freaking confused me about dungeon world the first time i ran it um and because it weird. <laughs> yeah 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 because um, it's like well wait a second the spotlight just moves but how do we make sure players get a turn like how do we yeah and i yeah. think that's the main issue with it is just that there are going to be voices at the table um that are louder than others and mm -hmm. if you're not carefully controlling that you're gonna end up empowering certain players and like not giving enough opportunity for other people to be in the spotlight um yeah and that's a that's a tough design choice or a design um problem to solve um, yeah the way i think i approached it was that i made that part of the responsibility of the gm where it used to rely on the system like the initiative system that i used to have existed to like help that go without the gm interfering mm -hmm. um but what i wanted to do is to give the gm more tools in the system to help with the narrative flow and to allow the gm to take on more of the role of like a um facilitator to the player's action so mm. instead of necessarily having to worry about like okay how what's the next twist that's going to come up in the narrative i wanted the cards that exist in praxis to provide that and the GM to instead focus on, okay, how do I make sure to involve every player at the table in doing something? Um, mm. So if that's their focus on how they play or how they, they, they GM this. I think uh -huh. that makes for a more inviting experience to um, the free form, no initiative gameplay. Um, so that so far has worked. Um, I've only seen the game GM'd by other people a couple of times, uh -huh. but I think they understood that concept. So that's been cool. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a problem that I think if you come in with the same expectations that you have with um, a lot of, I don't know, very tabletop heavy RPGs, it's going to be weird to be like, okay, you've, you've done quite a few things. Let's give the spotlight, like give this other character a chance to do something. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's necessary when you have a free form or a story driven game where you want to see the perspectives of all of the agents mm. um, evenly. Right. So, well, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be 
evenly, to be perfectly honest. I think that's one thing we have kind of gotten oddly hung up on is like pure total equality, even when it doesn't necessarily make sense. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Like to some degree, like if you have a quicker character, you would expect them to do more stuff, like more individual actions. It doesn't necessarily mean that the spotlight should be on that character more, but like if they're going to do more stuff, that's not necessarily a problem. So it's, I think a lot of that does stem back to just a because it was easier to have just everybody does one thing per turn or the same number of things per turn but then we kind of got almost addicted to like the idea of everybody has to have the limelight an equal amount of time and it's like not all players want it an equal amount of time Mm. there's something interesting that's happening there too there's um I think there's something there that needs to be teased apart, and that's it. There's a conflation between um, <clears throat> the amount of time a, a player has, like the so-called spotlight, and the number of things that are discreetly done in the world of the game, like the the the, the diegetic world of of, of, mm-hmm. of the setting, and um, the those things are not necessarily connected. So, like, narrative spotlight can gloss over a lot. I mean, it depends. So, like, you know, in, in D&D, for example, like, the actions are very discreet. Like, narrative spotlight happens, you make an attack roll, you move on, or you cast a spell, you move on. And and, and narrative spotlight generally, in combat, t- tends to rely on dice. So, like, a natural 20, you sh- you get the narrative spotlight for a second, or you make a really good damage roll, you, you get the narrative spotlight for a second as you describe how you you know, bested the ogre or whatever. Um, but <clears throat> in games like Apocalypse World and Powered by the Apocalypse games, narrative spotlight and, like, amount of stuff done in the game don't aren't necessarily tied together as much. Like, you know, one, one role or one narrative chunk can represent a great m- number of actions or discrete um, or tasks season. being completed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think there are games where it's like so 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 in Apocalypse World there's more of that focus on like the GM having to shine the narrative spotlight because players can't necessarily take it with action in in the same way where where there's there's an allotted portion of the game that they get to mess with there's it's there's like a instead of I don't know like a like a gift the game gives them there's like it lays out a smorgasbord and allows them to pick something but if they're not the kind of player that likes to speak up then they may not pick as frequently as the other players and i feel like i feel like there's a happy medium in there somewhere where there's <clears throat> maybe it's there divorced from be, yeah. right, go ahead there should Sorry. probably be a reminder that not to forget about them occasionally mm-hmm. but like, go ahead. No, I think I'm mostly done. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the focus should really be on like it's a subjective problem, right? It's mm-hmm. it's everyone's going to have their own uh, preferences, and I wanted to make sure that it was handled in a subjective way, 
um, or at least with someone who can interpret the situation a little bit more than a structure. So I think the freeform way helps where if the story is going in one way and you really want to say, okay, well, uh, this person has become isolated and we want to explore that side of the story and everyone's engaged in it because it seems like a really interesting, cool narrative, then let's go for it. And this might be a session that focuses on this player, but we're going to give other opportunities for everyone to also be engaged in another storyline or something else. But like the, the pacing can be fluid and variable and we can... Uh, play with that a little bit more than having a more rigid structure. Hmm. No, well, for, but, but yours doesn't necessarily, does, does your game like fate have a different mechanism for, for when like the action gets more kinetic? Like, is there a combat thing where combat starts and now like the system does different things or shifts in a different way? There, there used to be in the long, long ago version of the game, but um, in the last like, I don't know, year or so that I've been doing Praxis. Um, I've got rid of that with the with the fluid initiative system. I've just kept it the entire way through. So it's just like you take actions and those are the actions you have in the world. So there's no real shift in combat versus out of combat. It's just you do things. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because the last time I looked at it, I didn't see anything like that. I wasn't sure if you had kept that or not. No, I made it very like concrete in the first iteration mm -hmm. of praxis um but that used tabletop minis and it had a very like these are the kinds of actions you can take in combat these are the kinds you can take out of them and they were very very distinct um, right. but now that's all blended together so and, and i think it makes for a more i don't know um streamlined game overall yeah um but i i don't necessarily want to dwell on uh combat in praxis either so it's very much just right. you do things and they'll have an impactful effect immediately um so there's no like prolonged conflict uh especially a physical one it it kind of just resolves with one or two actions um mm -hmm. okay so yeah that's an interesting way of handling the no initiative thing where it's it, you know, from what I from what I'm understanding is like basically every player gets to act once or twice. I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. just a, a sort of round robin. Like I, right. the responsibility is on the GM to try to share the spotlight. But I've I've also made it a rule for the players. Like every player, there's a uh, a paragraph on etiquette for playing the game, and it's very much like respect everyone at the table and share the spotlight. Um, so it's part of the game dynamic. I hope um, is to instill this idea of like everyone's playing. We want to tell each other's stories, so let's make sure that everyone gets a, a piece of the action. Um, so everything is just a fluid narrative, and we just bounce between each person's perspective and what they want to do with the situation that's unfolding. Um, so it can last for a long time. I think one of the play sessions I had had a very like um, had this feel of people going undercover and they got caught. Um, so there was a physical confrontation between like one of the characters and a bunch of security guards, other people were trying to get the mission accomplished. So they were taking action somewhere else. And we just kind of bounced between things that felt narratively uh, appropriate. And when like 
characters failed in their action. They had consequences that influenced other people. So that was how the story flowed around. Um, and it was just up to the GM to spend more time focusing on who hasn't shared their perspective in a little while, as opposed to what's the next twist that's going to happen or what is the consequence? Right. Cause a lot of that got brought forward by the players or by the deck of cards. So, you know, that actually just made me think of something is that there's another element of why turn orders exist. And it's that it's kind of a neutral arbiter because it's like, that's one of the main reasons like why people like dice because they don't feel like, Oh, the GM just hates me. It's like, no, you took right. damage because the die was rolled and the die landed on a five. So you take right. five damage. If it's every turn, there's a set turn order. You're going to get this turn. Then it's not arbitrary. Well, the GM just decided to give you a turn or not. Or you don't have to be like, oh, well... The GM's girlfriend is playing, so she's gotten like eight turns in a row. <laughs> Not that that has ever happened in any game ever. But yeah, other than that, I guess I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the only thing I'd want to touch on, I guess, is. Um, oh, there, 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 no, there's one, one other initiative session I want to mention because it's worth bringing up is Burning Wheel. Burning Wheel has an odd one. Uh, the last time I looked at, so Mouse Guard was the last Burning Wheel game that I picked up, um, and uh, <clears throat> the way it works is it's it's kind of a team initiative, but it's in it's in sets of like three exchanges, where oh right uh, I remember what this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember Burning Wheel's initiative system, but Rob can go on unless you want me to do it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's fine. Um, uh, yeah, it, it it's just the kind of thing where it's like, it when I tried to do a mock combat of it, it was I don't know, it was kind of clunky That's... because it wasn't like it doesn't it didn't I I couldn't see any really great I mean so part of part of the thing that it, it's designed to encompass is this um, is fainting. Like fainting is a big part of the, the combat because it, um, <clears throat> uh, like b combat and burning wheels is sort of a matrix where actions have better and worse effects against others, and predicting like the enemy's cards are part of the game play, and so and so it makes sense to only have them three. Like to only have three things you can worry about at a time. So like maybe you're gonna go do a, attack, uh, uh, faint, uh, block or something like that, right? And then, or I don't, I don't remember what, what the actual actions are called, but probably close enough. Um, you're pretty close. I think you forgot the one that is set up. Oh right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. And uh, and so there's sort of this predicting thing game going on where you're kind of trying to, uh, you know, guess what the enemy is going to do based on their motivation and personality. So like, uh, 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 you know, 
a very aggressive orc might you know you might understand that he might attack first so you're going to pick block as your first card but uh it's i don't know it i could never get get it to work so i don't even really know if it works all that well in play and practice because the players i was explaining this game to their eyes glazed over it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay so i'm gonna say some words here yeah okay so in my experience and i have very limited experience with it but so this is zero yeah it, so honestly this is more a general impression but uh, th basically it's something that works well once you get used to it <laughs> and until then it's clunky and hard to deal with it and it feels unnatural if you're not used to it yeah okay that would certainly jive with my experience i mean yeah. yes um... like once you get it so that you can do it rapidly and like you, everybody knows what everything is it works reasonably well until that point it is until that point it is extremely hard to deal with and what basically has to happen is the gm has to select all their actions and then let the players discuss things right okay <clears throat> it sounds i mean yeah i it, it... I, I wouldn't be surprised that that's why, like, Mouse Guard isn't more popular. Because it seems like it's just sort of a... It seems like it's kind of hard to run in that way. But Oh, it's basically my, my impression from reading Mouse Guard and, like, just the general things around it is there's a lot of really good ideas and a lot of really bad ones in Equal Measure. Hmm. It is very much trying to be its own unique thing and flow together, but it didn't quite come together quite as well as Blades in the Dark did. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was planning on running it for a couple of kids, and when I was reading through the system, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I don't no. think I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. But I wanted to mention that since it's 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 a fairly... Um, it's a unique initiative system that I I don't I haven't seen any other games besides the Burning Wheel. Um, yeah, I'll have to so I'll have to look into it. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, any others that I can? Uh, any other thing? Oh, oh, thing Riddle of Steel's it, gotten an interesting. That's one. what I was about to say. Huh. Is it sounded vaguely similar to what you've said about Riddle of Steel? Yeah, except Riddle of Steel is kind of is different in that initiative in that game. You hold a red die and a white die. And both players throw one of the two dice to determine who has who's attacking and who's defending. So if if one player throws red red and one throws white, then there's an exchange and a you know an, an attack and a defense. And uh, but if both players throw white, they circle each other for a second. And if they both throw red, they attack simultaneously. And uh, it's interesting because every combat becomes a duel um between the a player and the gm and generally generally combats resolve in one exchange maybe two um so initiative happens quite a bit and the system is somewhat rocket taggy at the higher end when you have like if 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 anybody in that game outclasses somebody else skill wise generally they go first and they win 
but that's that's generally like real life sword combat too so i don't know that that's uh, i i think that's a feature not a bug yeah my issue there is like just because that's how reality works does that mean it's actually fun to play though uh yeah kind of because it it doesn't it weirdly takes the focus off combat as the thing you do to defeat higher level threats <clears throat> that's good in that situation but, yeah yeah because it's like it's like oh this guy's way more skilled than us oh well let's not fight him then let's just blow up the building he's in or you know it, there's it 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 in some sense, it takes the focus off because combat's so deadly that while you combat will happen during a session, but it there's a there's a strong disincentive to get into a fair fight. Um, it's not like you knock down the door and there's some orcs and you enter the room and everybody you know fights the fights the orcs because that's that's the game. It's like oh we there's orcs on the other side. Let's not let's just let's not fight these guys or let's knock on the door, wait till they come to it and then shoot the first guy with a crossbow. You know, it's like there's it's it, 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 because there's there's the, the players are so squishy in terms of uh, how, how easily they can be hurt um, it, with a bad with a bad judgment on their part. Uh, in my experience with Rule of Steel, like when players see somebody, a player character, make a grievous error it makes everybody at the table way more cautious <laughs> um so and, and i and and i'm saying this as the dude who was not cautious in combat and <laughs> i lost my first character because i was like ah, i can take him and nope when, no you could not <laughs> no i could not no he was more skilled than i was and i made i made a tactical error and uh and the dice rolled badly and i was like fuck and that was it and so on my second character, I uh, didn't do that. So basically, you play every character like they're a rogue in World of Warcraft. Like, you can't win in a fair fight, so make sure that you don't fight fair. Yeah, more or less. I mean, if, if, it, if it's a fair fight, then it becomes... It, like, if the dice pools of two characters are, like, within two or three of each other, then it's interesting. And it becomes a very interesting tactical and strategic game but if if well it's one person massively outclassed like if it's like you know they have five more dice than the other guy if it's like 15 to 10 then the guy with 15 is going to win almost certainly unless something goes really sideways um mm. you know play, players can compensate with for that with the spiritual attributes that that added dice to their pools when they were doing the thing that their character cared about but yeah. so yeah they had there were ways or players could circumvent that some somewhat but um when it mattered to their characters but their initiative but initiative was very you know it went when initiative happened in, the, in that game it was always exciting because there was likely to be a decisive blow struck within that exchange or or one exchange more and so and if it wasn't like a mook combat then it was and like the players were evenly matched then it was like initiative became like a really exciting moment because you're guessing as to like if the gm is going to throw red then you kind of want to hold back for a second because if you exchange if you attack at the same time as a guy who's equally skills you then the the chances are you're just going to take each other out um 
so <clears throat> it it I don't know it, it it made it it made initiative fun, a fun part of the game, not like something you do to decide the fun when the fun happens, but like initiative was interesting and engaging in that. And so yeah, real estate bears mentioning is something where it's like this is initiative became like a, a focal point. It's really interesting. I think I'm gonna have to look up a couple of these because, yeah, I I wonder like what kinds of games would best use these sorts of systems. Yeah, I was thinking about like you know the 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 time when initiative is really interesting in is in like the, the cowboy quick draw thing, right? Yeah, exactly, stuff like that. Like that's, yeah, <clears throat> and. It always struck me as weird that aces and eights didn't have a better initiative system than d20 plus a number. Because it's like that entire game centered around being cowboys. Mm -hmm. And it, was, it just seemed like, I, okay. <laughs> and they had this complex shot clock to go, you know, determine where your bullet goes. But like, you know, when you act is, is probably more to the point. Or maybe I'm not, I'm not remembering that right. And there was, there was more complexity to the, to the shootout thing. But. As I recall, it was a D20 plus number. Um, but yeah, making making initiative a focal point would be would, could be an interesting t thing to do in a game, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Um, cool. Well, I, I think that covered a lot of what we wanted to talk about for yeah. initiative. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah we thought sure. we were going to be done like five minutes, like half an hour ago. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, I remember more interesting things. <laughs> I wasn't complaining. Me of all people, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Gavar might be complaining. Oh, I'm fine. Oh, Kevor's good. <laughs> Kevor's good, I'm good. Uh, the, I don't know, do you, do you, Kevor, do you have any other, like, initiative? Because I mean, you know... I literally of, you know, said my of... entire piece, like, four minutes in and then stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> you, you. I'm, well, the only reason I'm saying anything is because you have a a, a a breadth of weird RPGs that you've read. Yeah, so yeah if you've seen I'm getting, anything strange. I'm getting worse at that because I I don't have people I can just make do play stupid games with me anymore, and it's really sad. Oh, <laughs> I know it's tragic. Anyway, um, no. <laughs> unfortunate though. Yeah, I'm just playing games I like to run instead. It's weird and wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just like running. I'm just like running four games I want to run, and it's. I don't have time to play stupid games <laughs> that make no oh. sense that make me vaguely angry. <laughs> <laughs> So wait, you're GMing four different games right now? Uh, technically, but technically it's three. But uh, the I have fourth one starting tomorrow. So, oh my goodness, dude! <laughs> so you, so I figured I'd round up to four. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just things happen, and with various things that I'm now like running four different games with four different groups that have like one person in common between two of them, it's really a thing. <laughs> I'm 
Wow. Yeah, so this is why I have no time no time to do game design anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Well, well, that's that's entirely untrue because uh <laughs> it's not like I do any type of prep work. So you know. It's still time out of the day. Yeah, it's still like a lot of my free time is being eaten just by doing these things. Anyway, yeah, uh good night everyone. <laughs> Anybody else All have right. any closing thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, we've hit a bunch of initiative. So, yeah, our thoughts on initiative stuff. There you yep. have it. Whether you want it or not, deal with it. I don't think. I mean, if you you've listened this long, like you probably weren't being held at gunpoint. So, if you yeah. were, um, I guess we probably can't do anything about that. Yeah, we so really can't help you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it I'd like to be, to be there. you. I mean, don't kill the guy, person with the gun <laughs> held to the person's head. I mean, I appreciate that you're making them listen to this. I mean, unless they but, really deserved you know, it, like they ate like your nachos or something, then I, I guess that's justifiable. You have a very low threshold for threatening <laughs> homicide. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, we are aware. Anyway. Good night, yes, everyone. Gun gunman, don't do it. Good night. Good night where you are. <laughs> it is night. It's always night where you are. Yes, that is one of our running jokes, Catrice. Anyway. Yes, but you didn't say it right. Come on, we have to do the dumpster fire properly. No, we don't. That's the very... Yes, we do. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that is actually the benefit of having a dumpster fire. Is we, there's, there's, we, it's, it, it can be terrible. Yeah, yeah, we don't have. There's no such thing as proper. Yes, if we do things, terrible in a certain style. You need style points. Consistency is is a theme to us. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> if this goes on for another ten minutes, I'm just gonna type in Craig leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good night. <laughs> good night, Chris. Tossing magnesium into the dumpster fire. Tension. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, or not, we're not picky, leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and, uh... And Pornhub, because why not? Got to go where your audience is, right? Good night, everyone.